Hi everyone, we're back again with the series of Nansaib where we're talking all about how love, peace and bliss can be a part of your life. And in verse 5, we're talking about how you can awaken yourself and what the experience of awakening feels like and sounds like in your life. In the fifth verse of Anansaib, Guruji says, The conscious word vibrates in that blessed home. In that blessed home, the conscious word vibrates, where power is bestowed. You restrain the five demons and kill the torturous death. Those who obtain divine grace from you remain absorbed in the name of Har. Says Nanak, peace occurs there in that home where the unstruck resounds. In the last verse, we heard about how Nam is your foundation. And when Nam becomes that which is so ingrained within you, then it begins to remove your worldly cravings. It makes you feel less desiring for day-to-day things. We talked about how Bukha and Icha, all of your hungers and desires seem to disappear. Now this verse talks about how does that process actually happen? And if all those hungers have disappeared, then what's then replacing that? So the first line we see is Vajay Pancha Shabad Titkar Sapage. The conscious word vibrates in that blessed home. Now the word Panch has been translated by some scholars in this Anansaib to mean the number five. And when they talk about five sounds, what they're really talking about is imagine a king walking into their royal court and there'd be all these different sounds and instruments and melodies playing. And some scholars have said that Panch Shabad is like seeing the divine oneness as a king sitting in their court and all the melodies are playing. All the different types of instruments are playing from bells to leather drums to stringed instruments to wind instruments to earthen pots. All of these kind of various sounds are playing. So these are the five instruments or the five instrument types that are playing for the royal court. And to me, I feel like the divine experience can't really be limited to just five sounds. I don't think that we can try and picture within our mind what the experience of the divine is. And if, if, if our mind thinks that it's understood it, then perhaps we need to remind ourselves that this isn't something that we can conceptualize. This isn't something that we can just read about or, or, or intellectually philosophize. I think our simplistic minds really can't begin to fathom what this divine oneness really is. Another line that talked about Shabbat in verse 3, we heard something that might contradict this idea that there are five sounds. In verse 3, we saw Nam Jinke Manavasya Vajay Shabbat Kanere. Those whose minds embed the name resound with endless melodies. Kanere talks about here that there are endless sounds. So how can Anansaib talk about endless sounds in one verse and then here reduce it to five sounds? So perhaps Nam here is not something that is being expressed as five sounds. Here Panch maybe means something else. Remember what Nam means. Nam is being aware at all times that the story of life that's unfolding 
before your very eyes isn't your story. It's the universal story. It's the story of the universe and you are just a character. Think about the whole of life being like this drama, this play that's happening in front of our eyes. But we're not the audience, we're also other characters within this play. And being aware of this story of life is really what Nam is all about. It's being aware of the universal essence of life itself. And when we think about it in that way, then the word Panch Shabad becomes being conscious of this way of looking at life. And the way I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this word Panch Shabad is almost as though it is the sound that is always happening, this continuous sound, this continuous awareness. But why is it that not everyone can hear this sound? Well, this is the Panch Shabad. So the Panch, we can then go back to Japji Sahib, where we've heard this word Panch before, for those of you who are familiar with it, and see how does it fit within that. The word Panch means someone who is enlightened, someone who is, we may call a sage or a saint. Those who in Japji Sahib have Surya and Maniya, the ones who have listened, taken on board this divine understanding. They heard it and they took it, they Maniya, they accepted it, they followed it, they understood it. They made their life a part of that divine understanding itself. And what is it that they're understanding? They understand that they're always connected to the oneness. They understand that they and the oneness are interconnected. In fact, they are the same thing itself. So they have excelled from this individual consciousness that you and me have. The idea that I am me, I am myself. All that I am is just me as an individual character. These are the people that have moved away from this individual consciousness to universal consciousness. This understanding that I am a part of something much greater. In fact, the greater oneness is what is here. It is not me that is here in the oneness. So remember what we saw in Japji Sahib. We talked about Panch Parvan, Panch Pradhan, that these are conscious people. These are the ones who are the conscious, approved, excelled people who have become aware and lost their individual sense of self. So when we understand what a Panch is, this enlightened master, then the Panch Shabad becomes their experience of life itself. They are the conscious people who are in this conscious awareness. So we can describe Panch Shabad as a continuous conscious awakened state. Let me say that again. The Panch Shabad is the state that they are in that, that is constantly aware and is constantly conscious. So what are they aware of? They are aware of the universal unfolding, the hukam. They are the awakened ones that are aware of hukam all the time. And in this example, it's being used to say it's, it's as though they can hear it all the time. It's as though they are so tuned into the sound of the universe that they can hear that it's the universe's melody that's always playing. So it's this unbroken divine awareness. They are aware of the universal power of life. Life, hukam, nam now becomes the same thing. And it's just different ways of describing that same thing. So it is this awareness that only the enlightened masters are hearing at all time. We need to start looking at 
how do we start to transform our life? Because remember Guruji is here giving you this message and giving you these words so that you can start to now think, how do I change my thought processes? How do I change how I've understood myself, how I've understood the universe itself? So the universe is almost being described as an orchestra and everything that is happening is a universal instrument. Every sound that you hear in the world is an instrument of the universe itself. Every moment is a part of the story of life itself, the drama of the universal play. But when we do that, when we see life in that way, we should never forget to include ourselves as part of that universal story. We are also an instrument in the orchestra of life. So you're not the audience, you're not the spectator, you are also the instrument, you are also one part of that universal sound. This is where what we start doing is we don't ever externalize God, we don't ever look at the universal essence of life as something that is separate from us. And what Guru is saying is that it's very few and far between to find people who are aware like this. And Guru says that those people who are aware, their home, their mind, their body is very blessed, is very lucky to be conscious like this. The very core of their being, their inner home is the blessed ones, those ones who are able to hear this. They're the very fortunate ones. They can hear hukam, the sound of the universal force constantly being narrated they can see the story of life unfolding. It's as though they are listening to the song of life itself. And so when they realize that this is all happening as a universal sound, they also don't get lost in it. They don't forget that bigger picture of life. They don't get sucked into the story of life. They're always aware this is a story, this is a drama. I'm here temporarily to play my part, but I'm not here to get sucked into it that I forget the bigger picture of life itself. They remember that they are a character in this story and just by remembering that, Guru is saying, look how fortunate those people are, the ones that can remember and see life in that way. Then Guruji goes on, In that blessed home, in the mind of that person who is conscious, the conscious word vibrates within that blessed home and there, power is bestowed. The word kala has been used here. The universal power is something that comes into their life. What do we mean by that? They get infused with the power of life. Now, I don't want you to think that that means that they have some supernatural abilities or they are now better than or able to do more than, than the ordinary human being. What we're talking about is the power that moves life along, the power of the universe that makes the sun rise, the power of the universe that makes us breathe, that makes flowers grow, that makes birds fly, that makes the whole of life, the system that keeps it going, they get infused with that power as well. They are also part of that power. Now the fact is, we've always been a part of the universal power, but it's only the few who are aware of it. They become aware of that universal power. So it's as though they are empowered with the hukam of life itself. We need to understand that hukam is no longer something that happens to you. 
Hukam is not something that they just observe. The power of life isn't something that is just what they are viewing from afar. They become that power of life. And, and this is the difference between us and the ones who are awakened, is that we fail to realize that Hukam isn't happening to us. We are Hukam. The story of life isn't something that's happening to us. We are that story of life. Our bodies, our thoughts, our minds, our actions, we then realize they've never been ours. They're all belonging to the universe. It's the universe's body. It's the universe's story. It's the universe's thoughts. None of this is ours. And so what happens when you start to think like this? Now, Guruji is talking to that universal power and saying that when you empower me to think like this, when you get me to understand that this is that I am really you and you are really me, we are connected in this deep intrinsic way, then you, the universal power, remove the five restrictions in my life, the five distractions, the five major players in my life that make me forget this. And here it's being used to describe as though there are five demons. You restrain these five demons and you get rid of death. The, do the torturous death that everyone is afraid of, you kill that death. So Guru is talking to that universal power and saying, when I understand this, then the five demons in my life are removed and even death is removed from my life. So let's talk about a little bit about the, the, the five demons. I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm sure most of you are familiar with these concepts. But here, very, very quickly, Guruji is talking about five major distractions in our life, five elements in our mind that completely make us get sucked into life, forget about the bigger picture. That is Kaam, Krod, Lob, Mo and Hankar. That is desires or cravings. It is attachments, more. It is greed and always wanting things. It is rage. And most importantly, it is hankar. It is identifying with things. The five things that distract you in life is your identity with these things. We identify with our bodies. This is my body. This is my family. This is my job, my house. When you put that my label on things, then there's nothing stopping you from wanting more things. And so that's where desire comes in. As soon as you've identified this is my body, then the my body needs more things. Then I want to make sure I get things before someone else gets them. It's very important that I look after myself. And we start thinking like this. as soon as you identify, the mind says, this belongs to me. I am the owner of all of these things. That's where five demons, five distractions have really cemented their hold on you. And those are the distractions of wanting more, getting angry, getting raged, getting greedy, getting attached. All of these things are the things that make you forget the bigger picture of life. And so what we realize is that these five things, the five distractions or five corruptions, really exist to retain your sense of indi individuality. As long as they are there, you continue the delusion that I am me. I am this individual. I am the owner of this body. Now, when the individual is no longer there, then surely the five 
distractions have nothing to hold on to. So when you get rid of the very I at the center of all of that, then there is no I want, I am angry, I am greedy, I am attached, I identify because the I itself has been removed. So the Guru is now saying that when the I becomes the you, the universal you, you are the owner of this body, you are the owner of this life, you are the story that's unfolding. When you are the central character instead of me, then all the five are removed. And the most important thing is that even death is being removed. So when the individual is no longer within you, but you are rather a walking, breathing, living expression of the universe, when you are the divine itself, then sensory pleasures don't have that same sort of hold on you. Because the universe is aware and the universe is enjoying its own presence at every moment. You're not there just trying to enjoy everyday sensory pleasures. And that's not to say that the people who are conscious and awakened like this are completely dull and devoid of any pleasure. They are lacking in, in any emotion. They're not robots. They are constantly in bliss and they're in bliss regardless of what happens with life. They're in bliss regardless of whether they, they have sensory pleasures or not because the universe is in bliss listening to its own melody all the time. So when you become like this, what Guru is saying is the ultimate desire for life itself disappears. And this is where it says that death has been destroyed. So the death that everyone else is really afraid of, the enlightened person, the Gurmukh, the Panch, that person is now celebrating because death has been lifted from them. There's a really beautiful verse from the Saint Kabir and he says, Kabir, jis marne te jag mere man anand. That death that the whole world is afraid of, Kabir says, that death gives me real bliss. He says, Marne hite paye puran param anand. He says, because when I die in that way, then I get this deep supreme bliss. And that sounds so strange compared to how you and me might think about death. When we think about death, really the fear that we have is that we are going to lose everything that we're attached to. We fear not death, but the loss of everything that we hold dear in our life. But Kabir says that when I lost my attachment to everything, I actually found supreme bliss was replaced that. I was attached to worldly things because I thought bliss was in those things. And when I lost my attachment to all those things, that death, when I died by giving up all of the world around me, then I found that I could actually be in real bliss, the bliss that I really wanted by attaching to these things, I found by detaching from all of these things. The pleasures in our life, this rage, desire, greed, attachment, identification, these are all locking you into your own individual identity. And what Guru is saying is when you get rid of the individual identity, then all of these things are set free. So we have to remember that when we talk about these sponge chor, we talk about these five things, they are stealing. The word chor is used. They are five thieves because they steal your true identity away from you. They mask 
what you really are. They keep you locked in the I amness. And we have to understand that this is the path of getting rid of that I amness. When you remove the individual identity, you get it replaced with the universal identity. And this is not then you turning around and saying, I am God, because then there is still an I am there. So there is a trap in this, even in the wording of I am God. One of the four Mahavakyas of the Vedic tradition, they say that in the Vedas there are four major statements that are the ultimate statements of truth. One of them is Aham Brahmasmi. I am God. And while that is perfectly true for the enlightened master, we have to be careful that when we start saying that without being fully awakened ourselves, that we are still holding on to an I amness. So there is a trap in using this word, aham, I am God, because I am is still there. So we have to realize that everything is oneness. Everything is God. We are God. Life is God. So rather than saying I am God, what we're really saying is this is also God. This is also the universe. This which I have called I am is also you. And Guru then goes on to say, Tur karam paya tud jinko se naam harke lage. How do we get to this state? It is a continuing theme of Anand Sahib that this state is only possible by divine grace. Why is it possible by divine grace? Because you cannot at any point say, I have achieved this. As soon as you say, I have achieved this, the ego comes back in. The sense of self comes back in. So we always even say that wherever we are in our spiritual path, in our journey, we always say it is a gift. It is something that is being given to me. The universe has given it to the universe. It's not something that has been achieved by me. Those who obtain divine grace from you remain absorbed in the name of Hari. So the awakening of our mind is grace. And when we understand this, then we start to realize that this is the experience which is being defined here as the Panch Shabad as this divine awakening, as the conscious sound, the conscious message. So the Panchabad is not to be understood as a new concept that's being introduced here in, in verse 5. The Panchabad is just an elaboration on the same theme that's been going on right from the beginning. And in fact, the same theme of the whole of Gurmat spiritual wisdom, which is this idea of Nam, the awakened way of looking at life. Nam is the same as hukam. Nam is to be aware of the divine power. Nam is the same as the panchabad, as the awakened sound or the awakened message. It's to realize that we are not the individual, but rather we are the universal essence itself. Keh Nanak, teh sukhoa, titkar anhadvaje. Nanak says, peace occurs there in that home where the unstruck sound resounds. Guruji uses a very interesting word here, that it is anhad shabad. It is a anhad, it is a sound that makes no sound. The word had means, you know, when you have an instrument, usually with any instrument, you need two things to make a sound. If you have a drum, you need a beater or a stick to make that sound. The drum is not going to make a sound on its own. If you have a flute, the flute's not going to make a sound on its own. It needs someone to blow into that flute. 
So every instrument, even if you have a hand, you can't clap a single hand. You need the other hand to hit, to strike. So had means that action of striking one part of the instrument with the other part of the instrument in order to make the sound. But Gurbani is talking about here, the divine is the unhad, the sound that has never been struck. There is nothing behind this sound. It is the actual sound, the vibration of life itself. There's nothing making the vibration. It is the vibration of the universe itself, the vibration that's always been there, the unhad. So Guruji is saying that it is a sound that has never made a sound. It has never been struck. It is the unstruck sound. This is why I don't believe that we are talking about five sounds, because we're talking about a unhad shabad. You know, as long as in our spiritual path, people talk about having a light that you see or a sound that you hear, what you do is that that then becomes a milestone that you're trying to achieve. I need to meditate so deeply until I can see the light or I need to meditate so deeply until I can see the sound. But what you forget in doing that is that you are seeing the light. You are seeing the sound. So you're not addressing the ultimate goal of the spiritual tradition, which is that you need to get rid of you because the you, the home, the me, the individual is the ultimate delusion itself. So Guruji is trying to show us that the ones who are awakened are listening to a sound that you can never hear, the sound that has never been made. So we have to recognize that in the spiritual path, the goal is to realize that all of this that is going on is the universe masquerading as us. You are God pretending to be you. You are the universe playing the character of you. So when we start to understand these things, we can start to elevate ourselves from our own minds into an awakened state of being. And this is what Guru has called the state of being a punch. The conscious ones who hear the punch shabad, the punch sound, the, the awakened experience of life itself. Now I've written some questions for you to answer either by yourself or in a group. How do you understand punch shabad? What things in your daily life trigger your five demons? Do you think that spiritual realization can help overcome death? Why has awakening been described as grace? Hi, this is Sapal Singh. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. If you'd like to help us create more spiritual content, then head over to our website nanaknam.org forward slash donate and think about setting up a regular monthly donation. We're a 100% non-profit organization, so all your donations go directly into the charity and help us to create and share Gurmat spiritual wisdom. With your support, we're taking Gurmat global.